Hello, folks. This is episode nine of the Washburn Files podcast. And I told y'all that we'd have special guests. Our first was Cedric Maxwell. Now we have an extra special guest, uh, just a, a rising star in the NBA media front. Um, it's one of a young guy I've known for a few years now. Watch him grow up and, and develop into a, a great interviewer, good reporter. If you had league pass, if you had league pass and you watched the Warriors over the last couple of years, I'm sure you saw a man rocking, rocking all kinds of cool gear, six foot five, thin brother, so he can get away with all that stuff that some of us big brothers can't get away with. Um, but he was uh, formerly uh, a host on and a reporter, Warriors reporter on NBC Sports uh, Bay Area. Now he's at the Ringer doing a kick ass podcast or former NBA player Roger Bell where they just keep it real and interview all types of dudes around the league and talk basketball, culture, politics, whatever they want to talk about. So uh, without further ado, Logan Murdoch, damn, Logan Murdoch is my guest. Uh, Bay Area, Oakland's own, Berkeley High's own. Um, so you, you got to rep the Bay. So how you doing, man? Great to, great to have you here. I'm good, man. It's an honor, man, to, to to lock in with you, OG, man. I just, I'm, I'm happy to get the invitation. When you, when you hit me, I was like, yes. I don't care what I'm doing. I got to tap in. So it was cool. It's cool to, to lock in with you, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Um, so the Ringer. Let's talk about. Let's talk about what some of the things that you do. The podcast. You, I know you write stories. What, what kind of does the Ringer bring? Uh, to the table in terms of NBA coverage and also sports coverage, sports culture. It seems like it kind of has its hands on everything. And you're kind of yeah. one of the central uh, figures in that. Yeah. Um, it's been a blessing, man. I've been here since August um, of last year. And honestly, man, it's the place that I've kind of always wanted to be, you know, first it was Grantland, then it's, uh, then it's here kind of, it's like, I worked my whole, you know, everything that I did, from the Warriors and things and, and covering the league was to get to this point where I can't cover um, NBA, but I can also cover music. I got a music column called the new hype that we do every month. Um, then we have the, uh, you know, the podcast with Raja called the real ones where we interview, you know, everybody um, in the NBA world and also give some of our, uh, our own takes. And then, you know, I have, um, I've been blessed enough to get on a, the rewatchable series with Bill Simmons and, um, just kind of, this is a place where I can really just kind of spread my wings and I'm really excited, um, that everyone gets to, you know, see my work and also get to see me spread my wings, man. Like this is where I feel like I can be my complete self in a way that you just can't when you're covering a basketball team, because in a lot of ways it's about the basketball team and it's about, um, everything that has to do with that in basketball. So I'm really happy that I get to spread my wings at the ringer and it's been such a blast so far, um, uh, to be at this point. And then. Uh, we, we were we were um, interviewing uh, Chris Weber today for the real one supposed to come out uh, sometime Monday. And uh, it was just like one of those times where I'm just pinching myself, man. We had Tim Duncan on last month and uh, no, not last month in January. And I remember him, com Tim coming on the Zoom and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, this is really happening right now. So I'm really living the dream. And um, the ringer has been a great place to, to work so far. And let's talk about. Um the NBA right now, this pandemic season, everything's kind of crazy. 
What's been your impressions? Like, first of all, let's talk about your, your the team that you've covered before, previously and you're close to is the Warriors. Like, um, mm-hmm. it just seemed like the Warriors were sort of on the rise and then Sunday yeah. happened and they got kind of spanked by the Lakers. And I, I guess there's this kind of perception that, like, teams are looking to get the Warriors back for the last mm-hmm. five years and the showboating and and the, and the <laughs> step shimmy in and the oh, Draymond yeah. trash talk. What's your impressions of the Warriors? Are they on their way? Are they, are they a Clay Thompson away from like being a title contender again next year? What, what yeah. do you think is a, of the direction of the organization? I think they are. Oh, Clay Thompson was a huge piece and I think that they need him back, but I think that they, this, their championship aspirations with their cap situation going on right now, their championship aspirations rest on the shoulder of uh, one Steph Curry, but also one James Wiseman. He has to develop at a rapid pace um, for them to be successful. And by all accounts, the Warriors are in love with his game and they love how he plays, but he's still at like 19 years old. So they need him to develop as far as um, teams wanting their best shot. It kind of reminds me of when the bulls uh, in the mid nineties, when uh, Michael Jordan uh, retired, and you see, you started to see the Knicks come up. You started to see the the Rockets come up, and you started to see all these teams that Michael was beating, kind of uh, beating the Bulls and kind of throwing it in their faces, taking extra satisfaction. Um, you know, I'm like 12 years old, but when I saw when I see hardwood plastics, and you see um, when the Knicks when the Knicks beat the uh, the Bulls in '94, how excited they were to beat the Bulls, even though Jordan was uh wasn't on the team, they were really excited, and you're starting to see that even more now. I think this was the first time that uh, Steph, verbalized, Steph Curry has verbalized it, but this is something that they were saying dating back to beginning of last season when, you know, uh, Patrick Beverly is, is in chase center saying y'all can't win without KD. And, um, you know, a lot of teams were giving their best shot to just a helpless Warriors team. And um, on some ways it's like, you know, I respect it. I respect the energy, but I, I would love them to talk that mess um, I would love to see, and I'm sure the Warriors would love to see the other teams talk that mess when they when they beat the Warriors at full strength. Because it's one thing that you notice, you've been on the playground before. It's one thing to just beat up on a bully when, you know, they're down and out. But it is extra satisfaction when you beat them when you get their best shot. And um, so it's it's kind of funny to see it right now play out. But this is something that the Warriors have kind of felt um, for the last, I guess, 18, 19 months, they felt like, all right, you guys really got a battery in your back because y'all beat us, but y'all wasn't really talking that mess when we were at full strength. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting how it's going on right now. And I'm curious to see one thing that the bulls were able to do. And even the San Antonio Spurs, but most notably the bulls, they were able to have a second act. The warriors have yet to show that they can have a second act. And a lot of that has to lie with, um, how James Wiseman, uh, develops how Clay Thompson looks when he's done, uh, when he's done with his, um, with his Achilles rehab and, um, how Steph continues to blossom and what kind of Draymond, Draymond Green we get. There's a lot of, a lot of unanswered questions that we have right now, if they're going to come back, but it is interesting to see a lot of players and, and teams kind of like stick their chest out to beat a battered warriors team, as opposed to beating yeah. them at full strength. Now there's two guys I'm going to ask you about in the warriors that are just curious to me. One is Andrew Wiggins, okay, former mm. number one overall pick. It didn't work out in Minnesota, and I know you've watched a lot of Warriors and Timberwolves before then. When he wants to play, he is a top 10 player. Now, that happens 10 15% of the time, but when yeah. you see Andrew, his head locked in, 
His mind is right. He is like, the game comes so easy. And there was some yeah. strip from Minnesota where he was like that. Where you're like, man, I don't understand why this dude, because that's what the guy, everybody thought they were the, the, the Cavs traded to the Wolves to get Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. The Wolves thought were, they were getting a franchise player, and then they was going to pair him with Cat, and they were going to be, you know, Kobe and Shaq or whatever they were going to be. That, that dynamic duo in Minnesota is going to freaking go to the finals or try to win a title. And then here's Andrew now as kind of the third option, because I guess you've got to include Oubre as a second option. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can yeah. he ever be... Like, I'm not talking about an all-star, but can he ever be a number two option? Can he really help this team? Or is he just chill being the number three guy? There's no pressure. It's San Francisco. Ain't nobody really pressing Andrew Williams yeah. anymore because of, that was seven, eight years ago. He was a number one pick. Like, what do you think of him? I think that he's a re- he can be a really good piece on a team. I think that he's just, at this point, it's just nagged by the fact that he has such that big contract, right? He can't really trade him right now, but like also you, he, he's making the money to where he has to be a number one or two option. And he just hasn't proven that he can be that consistently. I remember one time when the Warriors went to Minnesota and he dropped like 40, it was like, Oh my goodness. But he has the, he has the rep of floating in and out of games and floating in, out, in and out of defensive possessions. Right. And, you know, there's some, you know, there was some whispers around the league is like, does this guy love the game? Does he love um, the game? I know that was one of the things that I heard when the trade went down from um, when he got traded to golden state, one of the, the fears was, you know, does this guy love the game and how can we get him to love it on a level to where he is dedicated on that level? So um, that's one of the things that uh, Andrew has to deal with. Um, and I think that if he was on a smaller contract, he wouldn't get as much criticism. I think that he's going to have a great backstretch at the end of his career once he's off this deal, similar like Andre Guadala, to where he's not necessarily the star player, but he is a guy that can get you over the top um, on the backstage of his career. And once he gets out of this deal, I think like the sky is really the limit in the role that he can be. If he can be a number three guy, you're a pretty damn good team if you have Andrew Wiggins as your third option. He's not the star of the team, but I think he's content in his role. And I think that he can really help a team going forward, whether it's the warriors or if he gets traded somewhere else. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, it just seems like you, you want him to have this motor. Like if you, you if you could put Draymond's heart, it's like wizard of Oz. You can put Draymond's heart inside of Wiggins, body. You have yeah. like a top five player. Draymond's a guy I want to ask you about. Like, is he seriously losing it? Like he's, he's pushing 30 now because I mean, he was he was a senior at Michigan State. He did it four years, so he's been in the mm-hmm. league. He was twenty two, twenty three when he came to the Warriors. This is eighth, ninth year now. Is he is his skills eroding? Is this is he just not shooting anymore? Like, what do you mm-hmm. think of Draymond's game, and what can he bring to this team besides you know the fire? And yeah. what was your impression of like his relationship with KD? Did he push KD? Did he yeah. just, like, nudge him to Brooklyn? Uh, okay. So the first part of that question, I would say the biggest thing with Draymond is, um, he needs stakes. He needs stakes. He needs stakes to the real stakes to be successful in my opinion. Right. Like he's, and also I say that right now he's playing really good over the last few weeks, like really good. His assist numbers are up. Um, his even point totals are up. His rebounding is up right now. Like he's playing, um, you're seeing some vintage Draymond over the last few weeks. 
Um, but I think that the thing with Draymond is you see, like in the last, the last time he really had stakes, he played his ass off. Um, he averaged nearly a triple double in the, um, in the 2019 postseason when Kevin Durant was out, you know what I mean? They don't get to the finals without Draymond green in 2019. That's just point blank. Um, so I think he needs stakes. I think that, um, he's going to play well. I want, you would want to Draymond green on your team when the stakes are down. Um, and it's kind of always been like that, man. He's always been one of those supporting guys. The only thing that is kind of uh, is giving me pause right now in terms of his game is that jump shot. That three-point jump shot is broke right now. It's just broke right now. Yeah. You, you need, he needs to get that better. In terms of ke- him pushing um, Kevin away, uh, I wouldn't say that it's all Draymond's fault. I definitely wouldn't say that. Um, even in talking to uh, people around Kevin and just getting some intel on that way, Um Draymond was going to be who he was to Kevin. Draymond was going to yell at him and push him and things like that. But one of the things with um, Kevin is he's one of those guys that I'm trying to find the right word for it, but like, he's not going to stay in a place too long. That's just one guy, the guy, the kind of guy that he is, you know, he had the thing with Oklahoma city. I mean, that was the longest stretch, but golden state for him was like, okay, I did what I needed to do on to the next experience, you know? And yeah. I loved what I did for, for three years at golden state. But it felt it, you know, it didn't help a lot of things the last year. But I think that, you know, for at a certain point, he realized that he wasn't going to be a go to save for the rest of his the rest of his career, and that's just what it was. And yeah, um, and I don't think Draymond or anybody could have once he made up his mind. You know, I don't think Draymond or Steve or anybody could have changed his mind once that happened. And you could kind of see that when Draymond, when uh, Kevin, excuse me, came back to San Francisco, came back to the Bay, like. He has real ties out here. No, him and Steph are, are pretty close. Him and clay are pretty close. Um, you know, him and Draymond have hashed things out to a point, I think, but they're cool. They're cool enough. Right. And so, um, you know, he has ties there, but it was time to go into the next thing. And it was time to get to the Eastern conference. It was time to, um, just have a new chapter and he's playing really well. You know, he's injured right now, but he was playing like an MVP. Totally. I mean, I covered, KD is a rookie in Seattle. I mean, when he was playing, so when PJ Carlissimo had him playing shooting guard, like a seven foot yeah. shooting guard, when he was literally like like two hundred eight pounds or something. I mean, mm-hmm. he is. It just seems like with Kevin, everybody wants to like him. They want him to be this personable, gregarious guy. They want because he's so damn good, and he looks like he's tall, but physique yeah. like LeBron looks like you know, a Greek God, LeBron looks like the dude you don't ever like, you don't see LeBron's on the street. You just don't like, you know what I'm saying? Like you just, your everyday life, LeBron's don't walk past you. We've all known the tall skinny dude. And we've all known, we've all known the guy who probably got made fun of because he was, you know, when he took his shirt off because he was just so stick, whatever. So everybody wants to like Kevin, but Kevin somehow, I don't know whether it was the OKC experience and all the flack he got from leaving there, or whether was it the last few years when he was getting into it with Russ, but something turned Kevin around because there was the, you know, the, the speech, the MVP speech that basically won over America, men, women, housewives, yeah. everybody was calling their mama the real MVP after that. Yeah. He won so many people over. Then all of a sudden, it, like, we never saw that Kevin again. And we, I think there's a, a soft side to Kevin 
But there's also like a don't mess like a don't don't mess with me, man. Let me just hoop. Let me yeah. like just leave me. I think I, I think with Kevin, it's like that that experience in OKC really. I think it really um, affected him in the way that he was just like. I think he got the the. I think he got a lot of tough skin from that. I think he got. I think he was also like you know kind of scorned from that experience because. Man, I remember I interviewed him in 2017, my first year on the beat, and just the just the vitriol that he got from Oklahoma City, um, burning his jersey. Um, this is a place you gotta understand, and you notice, know like he he was on first line with uh, tornado relief when there was a tornado that went to OKC. He was a member of that community, and for them to turn on him the way they did, that really affected him in a way that like it just. His departure from OKC, that was in a lot of ways very out of pocket. It just was. It was yeah. very out of pocket for anyone. You burned his jersey, you booed him viciously. Bro, you're not, you don't go to a finals without Kevin Durant. You don't, Oklahoma City is not a factor without Kevin Durant. And that is just a fact. The Thunder aren't aren't a legacy team without Kevin Durant. You don't have that without Kevin. And for them, just because he decides to leave, you burn his jersey. And I think that that really had an effect on him. Also, man, like, you know, he has a lot of things with with Twitter and things. And, you know, I've known Kevin for a few years now. And dude's hella funny, man. He's hella funny to me. I think that um, he's very, he's, he's developed in that, that change. He's developed a lot of sarcasm and things like that. He's not going to let you just talk to him any sort of way. And there's a lot of things that I feel like are respectable qualities about Kevin. You know, he can't be sensitive at times, but I feel like there are some times where, you know, he's just, he's joking, you know, he's roasted me a few times and I'm like, damn, you got me. That was a burn. All right. Well, all right. (laughs) But he's one of those dudes that I feel like, um, a lot of the times where, you know, he claps back, you want to have a conversation with you. But I think that people just see that, you know, he'll just say, why, what's up? Like, he's challenged me on a lot of things that I've I've said. It hasn't really affected our working relationship, but he has challenged me on a lot of things. And I think that that's the biggest thing is he has found a voice to challenge a lot of things um, in a way that he just did it in Oklahoma City. And now I think it's just a maturity and a growing up thing. Now, do I agree with all the things that he says? No. Do a lot of people have agree? Does he agree with a lot of things that I say or people things that go on Twitter? No. But... Um, I think that he's now voicing in it and it's people aren't, people weren't or aren't used to that. And um, I think it's just a matter of just growing up in uh, golden state and learning from that experience that he had in Oklahoma city as a whole, that people just don't inherently just don't care about you and the way that they say they do. You literally went, like I said, things were ha- like uh, parts of Oklahoma city was devastated off of that tornado. Yeah. And he, and he was on the front lines walking making and donating money and doing all these things in this community. And then they double back and say, Oh, we don't like you. We're going to burn your Jersey. You mean nothing to us. Yeah, that, you know? So that, that was hard. tough. I'm going to pivot from that. Cause it's, it's, you brought that up, Logan. Like, okay. Today's current athlete, um, the Kyrie Irvings, I dealt with Kyrie in Boston mm-hmm. and something you just said about Kevin reminded me of Kyrie. Like Kyrie is an interesting dude. I don't know how well you know him or met him. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know him that that well. Yeah, like I like I didn't have a problem with him in his two years in Boston. Not at all. Mm-hmm. The thing I knew, I was told before he got to Boston 
that there were going to be two different or five different Kyries. That's true. Okay. Um, he's definitely got pissed off Kyrie, engaging Kyrie, philosophical Kyrie, hoop. Third, hoop. third eye, third eye yeah. Kyrie. Yeah, just totally. Like hoop, you know, like let's just talk hoops. Let's talk like all of the above. And you just have to know which one you're getting that day. And I think his teammates didn't really know that, and that probably affected his time in Boston. What I respected about Kyrie that a lot of reporters were annoyed about was that like Kevin, you just couldn't come at him any old kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like you had to have an intelligent question. You couldn't just throw out a statement and have him think, view it as a question. It was like when I, we, I watched Naomi Osaka when she won, I think it wasn't, it might've been when she beat Serena or the match mm-hmm. before Serena Australia open and the interviewer made a statement and, and then she was like, well, that's not really a question, but I'll just, I'll kind of answer it. Like she called him out on it. Like you can't be lazy with Kyrie. You have to have a framed question. You have to have it well researched because Kyrie is smart enough. I don't know if he's brilliant to to like, like you said, call you out. Younger younger athletes. I mean, obviously you're closer in age than I do. Do you, um, which ones do you relate to? Like our, I think we, we assume, and I'm going to, like we assume that millennials are all like, all oh, y'all like, the, all y'all love Drake, all y'all love Jay's. Like it's like it's kind of it annoys yeah. me because I know all y'all, you guys millennials, and I'm just putting y'all, like whatever. It's all good. Are, we the same age. Kyrie the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are not alike. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Like there's this assumption that everything is so monolithic with with millennials and young dudes and young athletes, women too, like. What's your experience dealing with uh, cats and ladies, and especially you also cover the WNBA too? And there, I mean, you talking about some woke ladies. I'm just so All proud time. of Renee Montgomery. I'm so proud yeah. of a lot of them for basically for you know for forgetting about their marketability and whatever they say and coming out, and they basically helped begin to change that senatorial election in Georgia. Let's be honest. Word. We did not know who Raphael Warnock was until everything went down and the, and the, and the dream players was like, oh. Listen, man, black women and uh, women of color. I don't know, man. I think that uh, I think that with this generation um, and Kyrie's generation, now let me, just, let me just first put it to Kyrie, right? I think that Kyrie, I don't, I don't agree with everything he says. I don't. Like, the earth is flat. I do not agree with that. Um, I don't agree with the... Um, I don't agree with the pawns. And I, he said he was misquoted. I, I guess I got to like, you know, I got to take him at his word, right? He says he was misquoted. But um, I think that Kyrie definitely has sparked a lot of things in terms, especially when it comes to the relationship between media and players and also media and sources in general. Um, I think that especially when, you know, when you hear a, when you hear a, a a media members say allude to LeBron being his father, right? Or allude to, is he like a father figure to you? Right. And that, you know, as someone who's lost a father, that is really kind of like, it's kind of over the line. You know what I mean? That's a bit over the line, especially when Kyrie has a father that he is, um, that he is close with and things like that. And that's a Googleable thing. That is, that is showing empathy where you just say, you could say, how has LeBron been a mentor to you? 
that's yeah. a simple question of just wording like that, right? Um, and so I can see the divide going, you know, like this, right? And I feel like there's both sides need to see, yo, man, we need each other. We need to have common ground. Um, and I am here if I'm talking about Kyrie, and I'm and say if I'm covering Kyrie, I've never covered Kyrie, but if I'm covering Kyrie, I would approach it like, yo, man, I am t- here to tell your story fairly. I'm not here to say, I'm not here to sugarcoat anything, but I am here to tell your story. So with that comes empathy. With that comes, at least let me try to understand you, right? And have a time oh, yeah. to understand you, right? Before I ask any out-of-pocket questions. Because even if, if that happens, even if I slip up, you know my intent, right? And I feel like the divide is going further and further away when it's, because you see on the, on the player side where it's like, bro, I don't trust nobody to tell my story. You're going to ask me if somebody my father figure, bro. You know what I mean? You're going to ask totally. me something like that. How am I going to trust you to give you like real information? And you've seen in scrums, there are also also people that are like not really interested in the scrum. They're talking at these players or talking at these people, right? They don't respect so them. They don't, they don't, they, they don't respect them. No, they don't. And so I would say that Kyrie, while he was hella wrong in saying the pawn thing, I think it, it should spark a dialogue that, bro, we both need each other. Like, um, I'm not going to agree with everything that Kyrie says. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to agree with everything Kevin says. I'm not going to agree with everything LeBron says. But at least if we have that common ground and say like, oh, bet, I'm coming from this perspective. Bet, I know that you're a kid who a world, like talking about Kyrie, a worldly kid that spent some time in Australia, also spent some time in Jersey. This is, the, this is how this shaped your perspective. At least I could tell the story accurately. Right. And I feel like that is what's getting lost right now. And that's where the divide comes and where you see people use certain problematic words to describe a player or describe a movement or describe things like that, because they're writing about something they really don't even know. And also, I want to say, like, I want to give credence to and also give a shout out to the W for, you know, this activism It's kind of unrelated, but you brought it up. So I want to I want to give them their flowers totally. as well. The um WNBA has done such a great job of, uh, you know, being at activists and being, um, having, having, ha- not having any fear towards, or maybe having no fear, fear, but still going through it, you know, it's still putting people in place and still using their voice. And they've been doing this, not with just way more to lose. This, yeah. Way, way more, more to lose. lose. The contracts yep. are lower. They can easily be released or traded. Hold on one second. One second. I got to tweet this out. I, our real ones just came out. I have to tweet it out right now. One second. I'm so sorry. This is me being a millennial, but I have to do it because we got to get this engagement, bro. We just did this Chris Weber joint. Hold on one second. One second. No problem. My bad, G. I'm so, hopefully I'm giving you gems, man. Hopefully I'm doing a good no, job, bro. this is bro. great. This is great. Okay. Do, okay. Do Hold thing. on one second. Uh, let me just Talk about the real doing. ones, too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And like I said, bro, it's an honor to even be on this, man. Like even getting a platform, man. Like I did, I did one with uh, with Sekou, uh in uh, January, and that shit was yeah. an honor, man. And just to be yeah. able to like get really just lock in with OGs really means a lot. So I really appreciate it. Uh, let's touch on the team I cover, uh, the Celtics. I don't know how much you've watched of them. I know people know about their two main guns. Um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you followed Jalen when he was a the, the brief time he was at Cal. Yeah, I'll talk about that year where they lost in the first round of the tournament to, to Hawaii. Okay, you know, okay. Oh, hey, shout out, shout out, Roger Bobbitt, real Oakland legend who made that happen. Shout out, shout out, to, shout out to. Oh, I know. Oakland dude went. Oakland dude went to work on him. 
who wasn't recruited by Cal. Yeah, that hurt. Um, so what, what, like, let's look at the East in terms of including Boston. What's your, what's been your impressions? We haven't seen them as whole as Brooklyn. We haven't seen them whole much. I mean, they got three superstars and now Harden, everybody thought he was going to act a fool when he got to Brooklyn because he was going, he has turned into like the perfect compliment. Him and Kyrie have gotten along. Like, what is your impression of Brooklyn? And in terms of what is your impression of the East? What have you, uh, if you've seen the Celtics, what have you, what, what has been your impressions of them? They've struggled. Uh, give me your, your thoughts on the East. Yeah. So I, my thoughts on the East, man, I, I the East is just so funny, man. Cause there's, there's, there's questions with every team, right? Like the Sixers have been playing phenomenal, man, with, uh, with Joel Embiid playing like an MVP, but I don't know if they beat Brooklyn, right? Um, I think Brooklyn's really, really good, but they're, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything with their defense. Their defense is tragic and they don't have really a front court that I could trust. Right. Um, the heat have dealt with injuries. Um, I don't know what's going on with the heat. Um, same with the Celtics, man. Celtics have done with injuries and you were wanting to kind of see if the Celtics were going to take that next step this season, especially in what they did last year in the bubble. Um, so it's wide open. If I had to pick though, I'd, I'm picking the nets just with the sheer, um, amount of talent that they have. You have, you talk about any team where you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I'm putting them at the top of the list, man. And it's also wild because I wish we was outside OG because I wish we could get a Lakers Brooklyn finals and you know, it would be turned. I would be, I would love for that to happen. Yeah. We already know the vibes on that. <laughs> Everybody but, would. <laughs> um, but uh, I really just see, um, I see Brooklyn coming out of the East there, but it's still like, it's not a, it's not when we were, when I was covering the Warriors, we can just stamp it on in. You know what I mean? What's your thoughts? Let's talk about LaMelo ball. <laughs> I mean, man, um, just, I mean, First of all, I think he's probably already better than his brother, right? Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, I'm not saying nobody expected this, but this dude, like, should the Warriors have taken him first? Mm -hmm. And then what has been your impressions of how he's blended? And, I mean, my goodness, like, he he is a fantasy. I took him just as a a chance on my fantasy draft. Like, let me see what happens. Like he, 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 every, he playing every net. Like, he's my utility dude. Like he's, he's a mainstay. That in my kid is amazing, man. That kid is amazing, bro. And I think that there's a lot of things to decipher with LaMelo ball, especially in terms of how he was, how he was covered leading up to the draft. Like, bro, he was a bona fide dude, man, coming out of the draft. Like every, a six, 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 five point guard, man, who can pass like magic, who can shoot. You know, like he was a guy, but I feel like that's when it goes back to the narratives, right? Where it was, you would think because of what his father did and a lot of things are completely out of his control. He was, people thought that he was going to just fall and he wasn't some good player. He was always great. Now, having said that, I will hold off at the moment for saying like a team should have done this because it's so early. I remember back in 2009, 2010, a guy by the name of Tyreek Evans, who was a bona fide player his rookie year. You know who else was in that class? 25 and five as a rookie. And that was his best year. He's out the league. You know who else was in that class? A guy by the name of Steph Curry. Curry. You know what I mean? There was a lot of guys right there. So I I will caution to say like a team should have done this versus that because you never know going down in years down the line. But 
That being said, LaMelo Ball is balling, man. And it's really, like, great to see, you know, a city like Charlotte really get love like that because Charlotte's a great city, man. If they could just get it together, the Hornets, like, as a brand, is just really fun to watch. And I really hope that LaMelo can really help revitalize that. You know, talk about him, talk about Bridges. There's a lot of good pieces down there in Charlotte. And um, I'm really excited to see what they do. If they can keep it together and keep growing, because it's not going to happen overnight, but they have a great base start. Yeah, you're right. I mean, first of all, Michael Jordan has taken a lot of flack for not, like, just doing very little in Charlotte, drafting Cody Zeller, uh, drafting Frank Kaminsky, bad drafts. But the last couple years, Miles Bridges, who's just so slept on. I mean, that dude's got ups. But he, but then they signed Hayward, so it kind of robs him of his minutes. I think that was like the biggest victim of them bringing in Hayward was like Miles Bridges. P.J. Washington, who had 42 against the Kings. We can mm. talk about that Kings game last night. My goodness. Oof. And, then, yeah. um, and then now LaMelo would also Terry Rozier, former Celtic, a guy covered. Scary who, Terry, one of yes. my favorite players in the league. Bar none. Fearless, He's one of my favorite players fearless. in the league. Yes. The dude who got 314 tattooed on the back of his head, and everybody was telling me it was a it was a haircut. And I asked, I was like, bro, like I I was telling tweet it, like, I know the difference between a tattoo and a haircut. I know hair yeah. and I know ink. Like, and he I was like, Terry, let me just triple check. This is ta- yeah, it's a tag. Like you look at me, I'm crazy. Exactly. And like this fearless. Yeah. Just yeah. a baller, a tough guy. Like, you're happy for him because of, I mean, like, if you don't know Terry's story, folks, research it. Like, his dad did his dad did a lot of time in prison. His dad was in prison when he was in Louisville, and he's recently gotten out, and he's reconnected with his father. Yeah. Well, Terry's had a, Terry's had a tough go, go of it growing up in Cleveland in a Youngstown, so it's good to see him, you know, play like the, the contract because he, he signed that – $19 million a year. People were like, what's Charlotte doing? It's, you know, Rozier is not there. You know, he's not a, a, a top 10 point guard. And I know he, he had kind of that, like, I could be better than Kyrie kind of thing in Boston, but it's good to see him. It's good to see Charlotte finally after years. And just because, as you know, we've been there. It's a slept on place. It's a nice place. It's a, it's, but they just can't, they can never get a star. So mm-hmm. Melo is their guy. You don't you hold on to him as long as everything goes well. You hold on to him, and you I mean you just ride that because I mean he's twenty years old. I think I don't know if he's even twenty yet. And man, just he's a that he's a star, bro. I can't wait to see. I just want that's one of the teams that like. I'm sad that I'm sad that like Lamelo's rookie year is in a bubble, right? Not even a bubble, but like you can't really see him yeah. like that. Like I. It, his game deserves to be seen by fans, right? And, and I'm sad that it's been robbed that way. Exactly, because he feeds off of that. Where people be like, "Oh my even god!" Even the booze, even yeah. the booze. I think he feeds off of that. I'm really excited to see Lamelo, man. And and you know he got a little California sauce, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, Chino he Hills. He I does. see the vibes. You know what I mean? You know how we I'm, do. You know how we do. I credit him, and I, you know what? We got to give props to Lavar. Like, yeah, as much as mess as he talked, and you know what? I never was offended by LeVar. We all have a LeVar in our barber shop. We all have the dude who said, you know what? I could have played for the Rams. You know what? I could have been the, the sixth member of New Edition. You know what? I was, I was damn near 
uh, with the GU. I mean, like I'll we, say this right now. Yeah. I'll say this right now. I damn near should have, if I was in the time, I should, I would have been better than Michael at, uh, in the Jackson 5 if I was around in the 60s. I can yeah. say that right now. We all How could say, that? we all got people who's like, I, and so it didn't offend me what he was saying, but he raised two NBA sons and one who, well, honestly, if he hadn't gotten in trouble at UCLA, he probably would still be there and maybe have a chance with some college seasoning instead of just trying to run. He wasn't that good. Everybody said he wasn't that good. Um, but, you know, he got into a trouble and then decided, hey, I'm going to jump. I'm going to try to jump to the league. Like, dude, that's not a good move if you aren't that good to make that jump. Yeah. But Lonzo and LaMelo are like real pros. I mean, and Lonzo, I know people have been hard on him. Lonzo, I saw I covered I saw his game in person. He has five threes. He's jumping shot. He's getting less broken. You know, I know that New Orleans might be dangling him a little bit to try to get get you know improve, or he might be a guy who could be moved. But he's going to be a solid pro. I don't know if he's going to be a, a perennial All Star or anything. But Lamelo, I mean, you got to credit him for raising two NBA sons. I mean, I you know I, I got to give credit to Levar for that, and he's. And as you know, maybe it's because of the pandemic. He stayed out the spotlight. You ain't, you ain't seen him yeah. said one word about Lamelo. I think he told everybody yeah. Lamelo was they're like, dude, this dude is not that good. He's skinny. You know, wait till he man. Lamelo was out here balling at USC against. I think it was a modern day. I remember one of my biggest like regrets and um and like my sport in life. I was in town when he played. I was in LA. When, he, when Chino Hills, I think, played modern day, and I didn't go to the game. And I was like, and I always feel like, damn, I, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was around the corner from USC's campus his sophomore year and could have went. But uh, he's a, he's a, I love LaMelo game. Let's jump I on that one. So who's the best high school player you ever saw? In person? I'm not talking about LeBron, talking about LeBron on ESPN. Like, I'm talking about, like, some dude you saw in person that, that, that who's the best What's high school name? player yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, best person I've seen in person. Um, I think I have two. I want. I don't, what's his name? I think it was. Uh, was it? I want to get his name right because he played for McClymonds, and he was the best one um, that I I seen. Like I, I didn't get to see Ivan Rab play. Um, and I, I, I he was really good. Um, and I could have seen him play, and I didn't. Um, let me see. I would say, yeah, he's got his name right. Frank Otis from McClymonds. He, uh, he was one of the reasons why uh, it was him, Will Cherry. They went up and uh, they beat Dominguez high in the state title game in 08. And that was one of the best games I ever see live in person. Um, and so that, that they were really good. I'm trying to find, let me get, I got to get her name right because she was, she was a baller. She played at modern day. And I remember this was 20, um, this was 2011 when Modern Day came and played Berkeley High, where I was at, and she wound up going to um, Kalina Lewis. Kalina Lewis of Modern Day went on to play at UConn, UConn with the National in, Gatorade. I think she's yeah. in the, with the Storm. I think she's kind of she has a she was a big hey, time man. player at UConn and and Huge yeah. player. So I saw her play right and. This was, and you gotta understand, man. Berkeley High was like number five in the country when when they when when Modern Day played Beehive in the state championship game. So she had, uh, uh, um, I think I don't know if it was a torn uh, hamstring or a de- pretty much a pulled hamstring. She dropped like thirty 
And I remember like we we I was we was feeling ourselves at Berkeley. We was up like 15. They came back. I remember when the game was on the line. I think they were up like modern day, modern day might have been up like two or something. This was the game, this was the shot to seal it. She with the messed up hamstring gave like an in and out, shook one of our defenders and hit a jumper at the top of the key. And I was like, okay, she's real. She's real. She's real. <laughs> Her and also I saw um Chelsea Gray uh of the uh the aces. I remember she she's probably one of the probably the best player I've seen in person, like in terms of in high school and then go right into the, into the W. So I remember she played at St. Mary's of um, Stockton and oh, wow. they were okay. playing Berkeley high and th- there was a tip. She got a tip, uh, the opening tip. She took one dribble inside half court, hit a, hit a three from like not even NBA range from damn near half court. Got a next possession, got a steal, took another dribble, went to the same spot. Ah, from the same spot. I was like, First, before the game, it was like, oh, this Duke player, she's going to Duke. I'm like, she going to Duke? And when she hit them two threes, I was like, oh, damn, she going to Duke. <laughs> Duke, Duke. She going to Duke. So, so, also, so I think Kalina Lewis, Frank Otis, and I'm going to go with Chelsea Gray as the, the, some of the best high school players I've seen in person. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so who is the best player to come, to come out of Oakland? Bill Russell. Okay, yeah, you can't say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? That's honestly, if I say anybody else, it's going to be an argument. There's no argument against Bill Russell. There's yeah. absolutely no argument against Bill Russell. That's, yeah. That, you don't really and I know there's a Boston pod, so you know, town business, you know what I'm saying? That's no, it is town business. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. I mean, McClyman's High School. I mean, you can't, I mean, uh, we could, you know, like, for the people to know, the Oakland Athletic League is six schools, but has mm-hmm. produced, I mean, from, I mean, from most recently, Damian Lillard. I mean, there's six schools in Oakland. There's six public high schools in Oakland. I don't know. Maybe I'm dating myself. Maybe there might be a seventh now. But nah, six you're public, still the same ones. Yep. Six public high schools in Oakland. And you're talking about Gary Payton. You're talking about Dame Lillard. You're talking about Bill That's Lillard. just basketball, though. That's, That's basketball. just basketball. We ain't talking remember, about football or baseball. Remember, I remember there was – I remember when McClymans was up, and football, they was also up in basketball. You remember them Silver Bowls? I remember the night that Marshawn, I think he beat, it was Skyline when he beat Sean yeah. Skyline in the Silver Bowl at the Coliseum. That was a legendary moment. I remember when Alonzo Carter, who now coaches at San Jose State, was out here with the Army fatigues and McClymans and had like 10 D1 recruits and was mashing in the OAL. The OAL was, was the one, I man. didn't really know. I'm from, okay, so I went to Cal, folks. I went to UC Berkeley, which is right next to Oakland. And so I grew up in the LA city with Westchester, Crenshaw. Like we felt like we had real basketball. We had no clue about bait. We only heard of O'Dowd and mm-hmm. um, maybe, maybe skyline, but we had never, I had never really been introduced to the OAL. So when I was a last year at Berkeley, I strong, I was a part-time reporter, high school port for the Oakland Tribune. So mm-hmm. I covered like the OAL. I mean, my goodness, the intensity, and it's like a lot of that in a lot of cities, Detroit, New York, just the intensity of the rivalries, like covering, I remember covering the OAL. I mean, and that's when, before they used to have the league championship game, it was sort of like the conference championship, conference tournament, where and it was Mac and it was, mm-hmm. um, oh, where did Bobby Smith go? Uh to play for the Braves. God, he played baseball. He signed with Cal. Oh man. Mm-hmm. I'm a, um, okay. Not skyline, not Oakland, not tech. 
not. You went to Fremont or something? Fremont. 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 Fremont and Mac. Fremont. Oh, my God. Oh, my Fremont God. Fremont and Mac. And they went at it, and Mac had a dude named Darnell Stamps who ended up going to Fresno. Like, it was just the intensity. You just saw how much they love. And Oakland gets – and I'm going to give a shout-out to Oakland. I lived there for many years. Yeah. I I love the city. It gets – it's been hurt. Raiders leave, then the Warriors move to San Francisco, and then start rocking Oakland on the jerseys when they leave yeah. Oakland, which to me is an insult to Oaklanders to say, oh, now y'all want to rock Oakland. Y'all want to rep Oakland. Man, that was very – I just want to give a shout-out to that. On Let's just keep it a buck, man. Let's just shout-out – I don't know if you're going to hear this, but let's just shout-out a real Oakland legend who, like, really just was pushing and made that happen, man. Marcus Thompson was out here in the trenches Marcus telling Thompson. them, hey, hey, check this out. Y'all can't be out here. Y'all, he was G-checking the words. Like, y'all can't be out here just over here talking about Oakland Miss. Y'all really rep. Like, they didn't rep till the last season. The town jerseys didn't come out till the second to last season they were in Oakland where they finally was trying to do it. Let's just keep it a buck. Yeah. And, like, but back to your point about um, OAL basketball, particularly OAL basketball and also OAL football, you got to understand, man, that was a matter of, like, a lot of ways, like, let's keep it a buck. That was a different Oakland. A life and death in a lot of ways when yeah. you talk about Fremont going up to, to East Oakland to play Castlemont, man, or yeah. Castlemont coming all the way to, to the West to play McClymonds. Like, yeah. yo, man, I remember them days, bro. Like, it was a, it was a real. I remember the uh, OAL championship at Laney College where, yo, man, McClymonds coming and McClymonds traveled. And it was it was lit. I remember all them times in 08, like I said, when I remember I went to Berkeley High, but I had obviously I lived in Oakland throughout that whole time. I remember when we all went up to Sacramento, not to see Berkeley High play. No, all of the Bay came to go see McClyman's play um, Dominguez High and see them win because that's just how deep it was. That's just how real it was. And we damn near all should have went to Mac when Mac went up in 08 to go play um, Dominguez. That's, I mean, that's a, I think that shows the pride. I think mean, people overlook Oakland, and there's so much pride in the, the area from which you live. And let's face it, like, people talk only – people really only know Skyline because, or, or, you know, because they've had some various alumni, but, like, Oakland Tech. And then Dane comes out of Oakland High, which to me was the biggest shocker of all. Like, Oakland High was always like – High the, was not valid like that, bro. Yeah, I know they, they got Jabari, and I know it was not like that. that was they got kicked down by all the other schools, and all of a Matter sudden – Hold on, man. Like, I don't know what's going on. You think we out here, oh, man. Okay, put your here, that man. on. A top 10 oh, – yeah. a, a top five player in the NBA, a top 10 player in the NBA comes from – I mean, to see how improbable that is. He didn't go to Tech. He didn't go to McClyman's. He didn't go to Fremont. Yeah. But, man, I mean, those are uh, those are golden times. And I said, like, I hope the city of Oakland can athletically – I mean, I hope they keep the A's. Um, I hope they – Even the get, A's, even I'm wearing this A's hat, they didn't even want to be here, man. No. They were trying to go to the Silicon Valley. They was yeah, they to want to move, but those Giants won't let them. But let's yeah. hope that they build that, that stadium at Laney because Oakland is a, a city that slept on and – over the last several years, it's the the money's coming to Oakland. It's a, yeah. a nice place to live, and you just know that they won all those titles at the Oracle, and and it, it's a lot of pride in, in that city. So let's jump yeah. to um, the podcast. What do you guys like? First of all, like um, 
when did you meet Roger? Roger's, I covered Roger. Roger's like a, he's a real one. He's a dude who yeah. was like, if he played today, he'd make a grip because he was a three and D guy. Bro, a, yes. I mean, if I, I know he, that because he tells me that all the time. Three and uh, D before Roger, three and D was even, the term even came yeah. to fruition. I think, Him, I think Bruce Roger, Bowen, yeah. he was a dude. Like, I'll just date myself. He was a dude when, like, Ray Allen, when I covered the Sonics, and there's Ray, and it's just like, that's the dude's going to be chasing Ray around screens, making it hard, getting in this airspace before the whole, like, foul on the three and, oh, he kicked me and all that. Like, you could, I mean, Bruce Bourne would get under you and undercut you. I mean, he was kind of famous for that. And Roger, yeah. you, you had to get physical with those dudes, and the league yeah. allowed you to then. So, uh, when did you meet like Roger? Meeting Roger. So um, I met, it's funny because I still haven't like met Raja in person, but he's like a bro for life. But um, I, I remember I got on the phone with him. Um, I got on the phone with him, uh, what, like a week after I got the job, like Simmons put us on the phone together. And I grew up a Laker fan, like a huge Laker fan. And the prime of my Laker fandom was when he clotheslined Kobe. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, bro, we got to get this out the way real fast. I was a Laker fan growing up. You close line my favorite player. He was like, oh, it's all good. I love Kobe. Like, it's good. Um, and we like, I think from that moment on, because I did it playfully. Like, I don't I didn't know Roger at the time like that, but I did it playfully. And then I did it on the and then I did it on the phone call. And then I did it um, on our first episode of the show. And that was funny because I just checked the temperature. And once I could go there with him, I knew that we had a a real respect for each other. I knew that we can kind of like that. We could roast each other to be good. And I think that's been one of the biggest, the greatest things of this show is that we're really open. And I think that shows through when we interview guests and we enter and we really have a great rapport. And I think that's what shines through the most, man. I'm really, really excited and really, um, uh, juice to see what's to come with the real ones, especially, you know, I don't want to say too much, but especially when we get up out of this thing and you get to finally see, we get to really, um, you know, maybe live shows one day, you know what I mean? Just all totally. things like that. Um, and I'm excited to just see what this what this franchise becomes, man. We have a lot of things, a lot of cast of characters. We have the Mad Hooper, which is a play on the Mad Rapper of Biggie Smalls back in the day. We're both yeah. big hip-hop heads. So um, we got a lot of different things in our ecosystem, man. And I just really just can't wait to keep growing. And um, I think we're doing a great job right now. And what's it like to, because um, I always find now, the good thing about a lot of former players is a lot of these dudes are down to earth. A lot of, mm -hmm. like, I found with former athletes, they're either in two categories. They think they were better than they really were, yeah. or yeah. they don't think they were as good as they really were. Either, most yeah. of them are the lat, or you don't get a lot of dudes that were like, you know, there were some guys I've dealt with that, you know, felt like, I was like, I mean, felt like they was like real. And you were like, yeah, you were pretty good saying yourself. It's like, man, this dude, no, this dude think he's Hall of Famer. And then there's other yeah. dudes that, yeah, I was all right. It's like, no, dude, you was like three-time all-star, whatever. Like, yeah. to get, um, what's it like to deal with former, like, as soon as like, you, I mean, you get Tim Duncan. Tim's not yeah. a very private man. You don't know a lot about yeah. Tim, but him to go for, tell stories, some of your guests. What's it like to talk to former, it seems like the former, like me talking to Cedric Maxwell, he's got, yeah. first of all, these dudes got five million stories, and they feel comfortable oh, now telling those stories. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's that's that kind of separates us from the normal like former player show, and I think those former player shows are great. Like all the smoke, 
um, you know, knuckleheads. We just had, uh, we just had um, Q Rich on a couple weeks ago. I think what separates us though is that we do have that former uh, player element, but we also have the former beat writer element, right? So I think that what's great about our shows we can balance those those perspectives out, right? I think perfect example is the the show that we just did with Chris Weber, right? I think that just point blank, Roger can ask questions that I just I just can't ask. You know what I mean? There's just some things that I just can't go to. And um, just because I just don't have that perspective, I've never been in, in a locker room in that intimate of a level, on a team level. And so he can ask certain questions I just can't go to. But also I can ask the questions from a beat writer's perspective and really just follow up and things like that. And so I think that that's just been a great uh, partnership because we have those two those two elements. I don't think there's been a show where you have the form. I think there was one other one, and I want to give a shout out. I don't like doing this often, but... Uh, Marcus Thompson also had one with Draymond a few a few years ago, but it's very rare that you have a show where there is the beat writer element and also the former player element. And I think that we've done a great job of um, using that to our advantage. And I think that's why the show is special and unique. Oh, that's that's a, a great show. Check it out on on the Ringer with Roger Bell. If you don't know Roger, look up his numbers. The dude in Phoenix, Utah. I mean, was a baller. Yeah, he was three and D guy, a guy that uh, a lot of good teams. I mean, you know, that Phoenix, those, those, you talk about those Phoenix teams with Nash and Marion, he doesn't get mentioned, but he was on those teams of D'Antoni and he's playing on those really, really good Utah teams with Karolinko um, and those guys in, in the late 2000s. So um, a, a real, 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 real baller. Um, yeah. So, well, we wrap it up here. What, um, what's been your impression overall this season, how the NBA has dealt with the COVID situation? Should the NBA even be playing? Yeah. Um, uh, will you, will, will you ever go to a game in person? Will you like, what's, what, 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 like, what, when, what's your impression of how this has all gone down? Uh, personally, I probably, I'll probably go to what? An NBA game again. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'll go to an NBA game probably after I get vaccinated. Um, it's probably when I'll, I'll be comfortable just personally going in terms of the NBA and how they have done this rollout. My thing is, and this is something that I've said on the real ones. I just feel like there has been a lot of decisions made. Um, I think the decisions are all valid in what they do in terms of like, yo, y'all need an all-star game. Like if you talk about the numbers, okay. ESPN, gets they're going to get their their um their bread from the finals they're going to get their big money maker so turner has to get their big money maker which is the all-star game i totally get that i just feel like the rollout of everything has just been just hasn't been good you talk about you want to protect your players but the optics of lebron your best player arguably your best player in the league getting yelled at by a courtside fan without a mask on with their mask down not great optics, right? You say you want to protect the players and then you have, you know, fans in the arenas, right? And I get it from a money perspective. I get it, bro. I, I definitely get it. Just the rollout and how they've explained things has not been great. And and it's it's unfortunate for a league that's built up so much equity um, with their fan base. Uh, you know, with the bubble, you were in the bubble. They did a great job with the bubble. Every person totally. that I've, in terms of like how they put it on, that was a forget a great accomplishment for the NBA. That was a great accomplishment for science. You know yeah. what I mean? Just on a, on a real level and all the goodwill that they've done, they did that with being forthright in a lot of ways. And I feel like in a, in a lot of their rollouts, they just haven't been fully forthright. 
And I think that's been the problem with this NBA season. If they were just to say, like, from the beginning, from jump, we're going to have an all-star game. This is why. And, you know, in a way, like, the NFL has just done it, man. they just been like, forget it. We're going to play. We yeah, just going to play. It's about the money. Yeah. It's about the bread. We you need the bread. This is like this if is what dude we need. needs to come off the street and play quarterback for the Denver Broncos, like yeah, we're gonna that's what it they is. Go, they're gonna play that game against the Saints. And so <laughs> the, the I just don't feel like the NBA has just been forthright with a lot of decisions. And that's what's been disappointing. Not necessarily the decisions that they made, but how they rolled out the decisions. And the optics are everything as the as the as Adam Silver in the league knows. Yeah, you're right. I think some of the some of the arenas like Utah having fans since like some of these teams having fans since the beginning of the season. Um and then if you're going to do that, if, 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 if the owners of the Warriors wanted to do testing for all the fans, why not let them spend the money and do it? The NBA said no, but yet you want to have fans in Utah and now in Phoenix. And they had a few in New Orleans and a few in Dallas. Like some of these uh, obviously te- states that either don't have a high rate or in the Southern belt of the United States or whatever, maybe more conservative yeah. cities who, you know, are now opening up their arenas in Boston. Folks, if you're listening, like the TD Garden will be open to fans limited for um, March 22nd, you know, beginning mm-hmm. March 22nd, and people are questioning whether that's too soon. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll have to see. Well, also, I think I think the thing about just this whole thing is that we assume that these dudes just bounce back from COVID that fast, like, and they don't. Jason Tatum is still having breathing issues. Like he bounced back. Like it's just not something. It's not. It's or Russell Westbrook, like last yeah. year, right? You, you guys, a lot of. There's a lot Mo of. Bamba um, was all messed up. Yeah. Like it's just so. It's still think, a virus we don't know. Well, it's still a virus yeah, we don't know. And it could do damage. And it's just like, and I don't know. And you probably know the young lady saying the WNBA player who's been out for a year now. They just did a story on her on Real Sports on HBO who has still dealing with symptoms from COVID. She doesn't know if she'll ever play again. And I think that the, it's tough to assume that, well, these are finally two professional athletes and they're millionaires and they'll be able to psychologically as well as physically, this is not easy for them to just to bounce back from COVID and be like, oh, I'm good. I'm ready to play. Like I'm, I'm over right. it. Like I just think the NBA has taken that a little too lightly. And maybe some of these guys, like, you know, need to have constant checkups. And I'm not saying the NBA is ignoring them after their, but they're okay. Just sit there for 10 days. You're good. You can come back and ball. Like some right. of these guys probably aren't able to do that and are forcing it. And then let's be honest. Well, you got dudes like LeBron who's Superman and everybody was saying LeBron was going to take all this time off. And LeBron ain't missed a damn game. So I can't explain LeBron. Like that's another species all together. Also, would like to say, would like to say, Danny Green broached that and said that topic on the Ruins podcast. Just want to let you guys, yeah, know. Just yeah. Wanna, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, that's the thing. I mean, so I mean, we can. I mean, LeBron. Everybody. I remember LeBron was on his thing with Obama, who was like, "Yeah, you're gonna have a lot of load management days." He's like, "Yep, yep," and that never happened. Yep. He's still hooping. Yeah. So props to LeBron and props to just the guys for weathering this storm and you know, playing, just trying to hoop and give us something to talk about because I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're highly paid. Well, all that, they get crazy money. They live the life. Um, but uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you. Okay. Okay. 
NBA dudes and sneakers. This is what drives me crazy, Logan. This is what drives me crazy as an old dude. I grew up, if you were Celtic Green, you wore, you wore your Larry Bird wore the green converse. Magic wore his purple and gold converse. Jordan wore the black and red mm-hmm. Air Jordans. They match. It was it was with the with the uniform, right? Yeah. Okay. Now you get dudes in these damn, you know, city jerseys, all black, and they dropping huge red sneakers. Like they ain't matching at all. What's up? Yeah. For, last okay. question here. What's up with these dudes in like the nine match? This the crazy colors. Cause listen, man. What what's got you know, talk what to it me, is. Talk to I me got over. you. I'm gonna tell you. I got you. So you gotta understand, man. Back in y'all days, y'all don't had that many options, bro. Y'all had the, <laughs> y'all, all y'all had for the Celtics. If you was on the East Coast, you would get the you would get the black weapons, right? And if you were on the West Coast, you would get the Magic Johnson weapons, right? There was two shoes you could think that you could get, right? Mm. Or if you could, or maybe like you know, I think what the Pistons had a, a colorway too. But what all I'm trying to say is, y'all don't have no options, bro. There's so many options of sneakers <laughs> right now, and I'll, and it just is what it is, man. You're just an old head right now. You wouldn't understand right now. It's all yeah, good. I guess it's so. Cool. It's lo- Times are changing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how much is that like? Sneakers a major part of like what these dudes do. Like you yeah, see, PJ Tucker has what two, three hundred pair. Like you get. I mean, it's. I, I don't think. Man, I'm, I'm gonna be here right now, bro. I got some sneakers right now that you ain't never seen, bro. Mm-hmm. That I probably just. You know what I mean? But like, just, what I'm saying is, like, it's a form of expression, right? And it's just like yeah. clothes. It's literally just like clothes. It's like we want to show. I would say we, but I'm above that generation. So yeah, we kind of just, this is how we just express ourselves. Just like in the seventies when they had them bell bottoms back in your day. Um, or, uh, you know, in the eighties when you had like the members only joints, you know what I mean? Or in the nineties when, or in the nineties, I still got my dickies downstairs. You know what I mean? You just, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's just a form of expression. And I know that cause I dress, that's how I dress. I just, I was talking to somebody the other day. It was just like, Man, sometimes I just don't want to talk to people about what I'm doing, so I just put it on my back. I just put it on what I'm wearing. This is how I'm feeling today, without talking about it. So, uh, I think this is a form of expression, man. And do you like the coaches not wearing suits? Is that is that something that? Uh, well, that... a lot of these coaches, a lot of these coaches, including um, <clears throat> Steve Kerr. If you listen, <laughs> Steven, they ain't got no swag. So um, it's probably good that you got like a little little zip up, you know what I mean? A little half zip and some Vans, Steve Kerr. I hope you're listening to this, bro. <laughs> they ain't got no swag and they wear Vans and stuff, and that's just their aesthetic, man. They can't really pull off the suits, you know what I mean? Like for people like swaggerless, like Steve Kerr. Wow, you really bitch. <laughs> they don't know. Yeah, they, they don't. They, they don't know about swag. But a guy like you know Mike Brown, I want to see him in a suit because he know how to rock a suit. He know, got the yeah. different combinations and things like that. So. Um, you know, for some people it's cool and for others, you know, I would like to see them in a suit, but it's all gravy, man. Like it's cool. You know what I mean? It's cool. Steve well, Logan, Kirk. Steve Kirk. <laughs> yeah, it's a message to Kirk if you didn't get that. <laughs> Logan, man, pre I know I ain't gonna wait, take too much take your time up too much. I appreciate you you coming on, uh doing great things at the ringer. Appreciate you talking NBA and yep. fashion and OAL basketball, which I, I love to talk about. Those days and those schools, uh, those days. It was an honor, man. It was a honor, dog. Like I, you don't understand, man. I really appreciate whenever you know, like you get the cosign from the OGs, man. Like, like I said, I just did something with um 
God rest his soul, man. I did something Sekou with Sekou, Smith. Uh, Sekou, Sekou Smith, Smith in January. Yeah, and, um, man. you know, just really just like, you know, I really appreciate the OGs. I really appreciate you, man. Like when you said it, I was like, this is an honor. Yes, I got you. I will push the schedule, whatever, to make this happen. So it was, it was fire, man. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Logan. And keep doing great work with your podcast. Keep updating us. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on social media. You'll get all the fashion stuff. You get all you get the podcast links. So uh, yeah. make sure that Logan Logan Murdoch is a must in your NBA follows. So Logan, thank you. And that is the latest episode of the Washburn Files. Appreciate you, you guys listening. We'll be back next week. We'll talk more league stuff. We'll talk more about the first half of the season. Um, now that the All Star break is approaching, and we'll talk more. We'll we'll, we'll we'll do the first half reviews and all that stuff. So stay safe out there. Enjoy your sports week. Enjoy the NBA week. Catch those games, and we'll talk to you next week.